Now, all this leads to the fourth question in the fifth message, which this week is called the maturity question. And the reason why it's called the maturity question, you've guessed it, is because only the mature can handle this question, which means one of two things is going to happen here today when you're online or in the room. Either A, you're going to sit there and be like, well, I'm mature enough, I can handle it, or B, you're about to become mature over the next 30 so minutes as we, as we wander through this fourth question. And I get us kicked off. Let me tell you a story. The other day I was asked to participate in one of these kind of national surveys. Any surveys you get, I don't like opinion poll surveys, get them in the email, different newspaper. Someone asked you, and I, and I got into this survey and there's all sorts of questions about the economy, about COVID, about income, about immigration, about political preferences, about, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it was, it was a very comprehensive survey, and these things obviously play a part, so I was happy to contribute. But the very first question, everybody, I mean, talk about like, like easing into it. Like the very first question wasn't, what county are you from? Or what, roughly speaking, is your age demographic? Or your income demographic? Or, you know, what is your ethnicity? The very first question in this survey was this. What is Ireland's greatest challenge right now? To which I might have said, well, Wales on Friday. No, go back. But of course, uh, we won, so it's not anymore. Go back to the question. So, so what is Ireland's greatest... Joking aside, what is Ireland's greatest challenge right now? Now, before you jump on it, like I was about to, because we all think we, we know the answers to all these questions, I had to stop for a second and really ask myself the question. That's a loaded question. There are so many challenges facing Ireland right now. What's Ireland? Well, Ireland's a land. Ireland's an island. Ireland has an invisible border running through it. Ireland has all these different ethnicities and nationalities and generations and all these challenges and all this political... I mean, wow! What is Ireland's greatest challenge right now? I don't know how you would answer it, but I was thinking, what about the housing crisis? Maybe the hospital crisis? Maybe all the humanitarian crises around the world that we can help with because we are an incredibly rich and affluent nation. And if we spent less time complaining, more time being grateful, our lives would instantly get better. How many of you had running more water this morning? I didn't. Our water stopped working this morning. It's funny how all of a sudden something you take for granted because every time you turn the tap and it's there, when it's gone, you're like, I can't brush my teeth. I can't wash my face. I can't make a cup of tea. I mean, what's the point of going on without a cup of tea? I mean, we're so incredible. I'm, I'm not saying that our problems don't matter, don't replace. I'm just saying there's so many problems and challenges in the world. Not to mention rising inflation, post-COVID reality, whatever that means. What about Brexit and the impact it's having on businesses? What about you know, what's happening in terms of immigration? What about what's happening in the Ukraine? What was happening? I mean, happening. there's so many. I was sitting there and I was like, man, this is the first question. I can't even answer it. I wonder how you would have answered it. But what this revealed to me is a very important truth that is relevant to today's message. And that is this. Certain challenges are so complex, they're so complicated, that simple facts alone aren't enough. Just having facts alone aren't enough. We need more than just facts. We can't just, oh, if I have all the facts, we can make the best decisions. Yeah, but what about all the nuanced ones? Like, what do you put first? People with no homes or people who don't have beds in hospital? It's complicated. 
It's complex. And this is why we need to ask and answer the maturity question. Okay, let me change it up for a second. That's quite serious, quite deep. Let's make, it, let's make it more fun. What about five minute syndrome? Come on, you all suffer from this syndrome, don't you? We all suffer from this five minute syndrome. What is the five minute syndrome, you ask? It's that point in reality where you realize you have to be somewhere else, but you're currently here. And you've told the person you're five minutes away. But Google Maps tells you it's 20 minutes in the car. To which you don't have a driver's license, so you've got to take the bus. Which means it's 40 minutes away, if the bus, which is rarely, on time. I mean, how many understand? Like, we live our lives, and again, maybe you're sitting there going, no, 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 that's not me. You see, I'm an early person. Oh, no, no, you see? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm wise. Let me tell you something. If you're there five minutes early, you still have five-minute syndrome because it's still five minutes. And here's the funny thing. If you're a five-minute early person, the five-minute late person frustrates the life out of you, right? But if you're the five-minute late person, you get there and find the other person has been waiting 10 minutes, they frustrate the life out of you. Either way, we're all on one side of this five-minute syndrome Reality, where it's running to the shop or trying to make a bus, trying to make a plane, whatever it is, we, as human beings, we have this inclination, we have this tendency, this propensity to put ourselves in positions that aren't real. We keep saying, just five minutes more, only five minutes. How many got kids? Bedtime, just five minutes, and then five minutes, and then five minutes. It's like, man, a whole hour has gone by in five minute increments. It's just something we all experience. What's so interesting about this five-minute syndrome is we're all laughing because we know it doesn't work. Why does it ever work? Like, one more minute rarely adds anything. In fact, one might say, very often, it usually subtracts something. Like, it breaks trust because you weren't there, you said you're going to be there. Or you break the law, which means it subtracts money from your bank account. Or it could be something more serious. The truth is we always tend to overestimate what we can achieve in a short amount of time. Now, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is very simple. As human beings, we have a natural inclination to live as close to the edge as possible. Just five minutes more. Take two minutes. I will leave in a second. Asher, it'll be grand. And if that doesn't apply to you from a time perspective, at some point in a way, when it comes to conversations between what's legal and what's illegal, what's, what, what's, where's the line of responsibility and irresponsibility? Right? Where's the line between moral and immoral? Where's the line between ethical and unethical? Now, when it comes to facts, it's very simple, right and wrong, black and white. But a lot of times in these conversations, there's gray. There's nuance. It's not black and white. And it can be different from different people in different ways, different times. So the question is, how do we respond to this? How do we make wise decisions when we find ourselves in nuanced spaces? We, we, we live our lives on the edge. It's, it's that place where, where we say, it's the line between where we say, I'm in control. I'm good. I've got this. I've got my hands on, on the reins. It's going according to plan. It's all going to work out. Are you sure, man? Yeah, yeah, it's grand. But are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But do you really think? Yeah, yeah, I'm in control. It's a line between I'm in control and I need help. Like, I'm in trouble. Like, the ship is sinking and the captain does not want to go down with it. I need help. Why do we find ourselves 
in these situations. Why? Because whether it's making a, a massive decision around the question of what is Ireland's greatest problem or overestimating how much ground you can cover in five minutes, it all comes back to the same simple assumption. An assumption that we make all the time. And something that bleeds its way into our decision-making and at least to a place that if we're not careful, we end up living with regrets. The assumption has a couple of different angles to it. Number one, well, if it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible, right? If it's not, uh, next one, if it's not immoral, it's acceptable. And if it's not over the line, it's fine. And so we, we allow ourselves, we allow ourselves to fall into the trap of walking on the edge, asking the question, where's wrong? Where's illegal? Where's immoral? Where's the line? And as long as I don't step over, even though I'm dangerously close to it, as long as I'll step over it, I'll be fine. But none of us account for the weather. None of us account for the fact that sometimes the footing is slippy. Sometimes someone knocks you over on purpose. Sometimes you make one ill-judged step and before you know it, you're over the edge. And many of us, when we think about our regrets, in life, I mean the really big ones, the ones you're like thinking about, the ones you start like talking about, so many of those regrets came from us living our lives too close to the line. Now again, maybe you push back and say, well, look, that's, I, I love to live on the edge. That's my personality. That's, that's how I am. That's who I am. This may work for you. True, true, true. But what about your children? But what about your spouse? What about your younger sister? What about your younger brother? What about those people that you care for? Like, are you happy with your child growing up at night going, look, as long as I don't cross over the line of immorality, I can flirt with it, but I'm fine. As long as I don't break the law, even though I'm right there, I'm fine. You know, even, even though it may not fully be clear on the ethical nature of all this, as long as it isn't like overtly unethical, I'm fine. Like it may be good for you, but isn't it funny when you put the parent hat on or the older sibling hat on or the friend hat on, all of a sudden it's not okay. It's not good. Because we know that the chances of someone losing their footing and slipping into a world of regret is so simple and so quick. And again, how do we get here? We get here because we ask the wrong question. Not all questions are good questions. What is the wrong question you ask? Let me tell you. The wrong question is, is there anything wrong with this? We start, when we're faced with, with, with nuanced possibility, when we're faced with these challenges, the first thing we think is, is there anything wrong with this? And that is the wrong question. If the first question in your head when you're faced with a decision that you don't know how to react to is, is there something wrong with this? Well, then you better wave a red flag in your own face because that in itself is wrong. And asking the wrong question usually is followed by the flip question. You're thinking, what's the flip question? The flip question is, how the flip did I get myself into this? If you start off asking, is there anything wrong with this? I don't know. It seems kind of nuanced. Maybe I'll just flirt with the edge. All of a sudden, you fall over and you go, how the flip did I get myself into this? And you're looking around and you're doing this to your hip. You're like, man, how? And you're looking to blame someone. And, and all you see is mirrors, right? Because the reason why you're in that pit, the reason why you're in that hole, is because your choices and your decisions lead to your regrets. Now again, there's a, a part, like I said back in week one, where sometimes other people's choices hurt us and we live in the shadow of their eyes. But 90% of the time, 
our regrets, our poor choices, our bad decisions are the reason why we get into this. How the flip did I get myself into this financially? I said I'd never do it again, but here I am. How did I get myself here professionally? I left college with dreams, had this whole plan, a career. By 35, I'd be here. How am I stuck here? Well, chances are it's your decisions. How did I get here relationally? So many chances, so many people to the work. And most importantly, how did I get here spiritually? You see, when it comes to the nuanced reality of life, when it comes to these assumptions that we make that it's okay to live on the edge, and therefore we ask the wrong question, which leads to the flip question, Here's a better question. Here's part five of the series. Here's the, be- here's the best question. It is called the maturity question because only the mature ask this question. You know what it is? Here it is very simply. The maturity question is, what is the wise thing to do? Not the illegal thing, immoral thing, the blurred line between good and bad. What is the wise thing to do? Relationally, financially, spiritually, professionally, ethically, morally, whatever it is. What is the wise thing to do? Now here's why this question is the mature question. Because only mature people recognize that a decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. I'll say it again. Only mature people can recognize that a decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. It's not black and white. It's difficult. And mature people get this. It's not always because, like when you're a child and you say, you say to your parents, can I go out so and so, and so? Can I go such a place? Can I do? And your parents go, no. You say, but why? There's nothing wrong with it. Right? It seems black and white when you're 11. But when you're 51 and have lived a bit and have a few tales to tell, a few adventures you went on, a few edges you fought off, you see the nuanced nature of decision-making. That very often a decision isn't just a thing, it's a destination. What begins as a choice to will ends up becoming 10 years of your life. And we understand this as we get older, as we get mature, it's not as simple as things sometimes seem to be. And the truth is this, your greatest regret was preceded by a series of unwise decisions. It always fascinates me in my own life and the lives that, of those I care about, how our greatest regrets aren't always just you know, one random moment of chance. A lot of times when you talk to people who've lost marriages and lost businesses and lost stuff because they made silly choices, it wasn't in the moment alone. It was, it was many little compromises, many moments of foolishness, Danger's over there, it can't get me. Many moments of flirting with the edge that led them to the point where eventually one day they fell off. My greatest, our greatest regrets have come as a result of a series of unwise decisions. Now again, the whole point of today isn't to beat us up and go, you're an idiot, I'm an idiot, we're all stupid. Okay? The point is, how do we, what does God say to help us? Like, surely God cares about us. Even if you don't believe in Him or don't care for Him, He believes in you and He cares for you. And He wants to help in a very practical way, as we saw from Proverbs. Yeah? So what does God do to help us? Well, one of the ways God helps us is in His Word, He gives us wisdom. And sometimes the wisest thing to do is to ask the question of yourself, what is the wise thing to do? 
I don't have it in me. I don't have the answer. But sometimes just asking the question, creating the space, pausing before you react can be a very powerful thing. Now, over the weeks, we looked at several different texts. Today, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 15. The book of Ephesians, or I should say, more specifically, the letter uh, to Ephesians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church like ours in a city called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Paul is trying to help these Christ followers, these people, navigate life with questions like these. And in chapter 5 and verse 15, here's what he says to the church and echoes into our uh, lives today. He says, verse 15, he says, Be very careful then. Notice the word careful. Be very careful then how you live. Now, please understand, just time out. So many people say, man, I can't become a Christ follower. I can't, I can't subscribe to church because Christianity is boring. It sucks the life and fun out of everything. Christianity is that mother who's like a Karen, who's always telling you, stop climbing things, stop throwing things, stop eating things. But you're a boy. You eat, you climb, you make a mess. It's part of life. It's what we do. Well, well, hang on a second. That's not necessarily accurate because God is not some, some controlling, over-manipulative father-mother figure who wants to control you out of danger into safety. God is not a father who get down off the wall. God is a father who says, be careful. I learned this the hard way. It's, it's very easy to talk about when you have no kids. But when I started having kids and they were climbing walls and climbing trees, I mean, my, my inclination was, get down! Get down! You'll die! You're my child. But they had to stop and go, but you climbed trees and you were fine. And you climbed walls and you were also fine. And again, there's a limit, there's a boundary and every parent decides what they are. But the point is, I realize I have one voice. And what I say in this moment isn't just about the moment. It's about how I'm setting my kids up for life. So rather than saying to them and over them, you will fall. Think about this. Don't take a risk. You'll fall. You'll fail. You'll hurt yourself. I'd rather say, be careful. Calculate your steps. Pay attention to your grip. Make a calculated choice. Because danger's there. It's real. It's real. And maybe I'll provide a safety net. But if you fall, it's on you. Now, please understand, my kids are not hanging off the roof of my house here, in your mind, okay? They're not swinging from the chimney, okay? It could be a wall this high. I'm just saying that life requires us as parents to prepare our kids for risk and not protect them completely for so the first time they face it they're in their mid-20s and have no help and no support and you can't be there to help them i'm applying that to church and saying it's the same is true same is true with god god doesn't want to control us into perfection god invites us to follow in this adventure called life and he empowers us to make choices for us, knowing that even though as Christians in the room, as Christ followers, he's co-authoring our life in a sense. It's our decisions in response to his will, in response to wisdom that writes the story for our lives. So God doesn't say, you will fall. Don't try, don't, don't risk, don't say, but God says, be very careful. Be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We'll come back to that in a second. Therefore, do not be foolish. How do we avoid foolishness? Understand what the Lord's will is. Now again, if you read this in context, 
the Apostle Paul applies in the Ephesians letter, some of the things, some of the ways he thinks that applies to them, and God's will for our lives is a massive thing. But broadly speaking, God's will for all of us right now is that we would grow in wisdom. God's will for every, watching online, God's will is that we would be wise. Well, how do we become wise? Number one, he says, don't be careless with your life. Don't be careless with your life. Your life matters. And you be young and single and think, oh, I'm a free bird. Sweet home Alabama. I mean, my decisions are my own and they don't affect anyone else. Let me tell you something. In 10 or 15 years, they will. They will. And you look back and think, man, why didn't someone tell me that my choices weren't my own? Because by, by living in community, by living in proximity, by loving and being loved, people share in our decisions and they share in our regrets. We should be careful with our lives. Let me ask you a question right now in the room, very, very poignant question. Are you being careless with your life? I'm not saying you're jumping off buildings with no parachute. I'm saying are you consistently making choices, unwise choices, foolish choices relationally, financially, professionally, spiritually, that are ruining your life? Don't be, God cares for you, man. God cares for you, woman. God cares for us people. Don't be careless with your life. One of the ways that we can avoid being careless or mitigate carelessness is by number two, making the most of every opportunity. I love this phrase. Don't be unwise, be wise. What does wisdom look like? Wisdom looks like making the most of every opportunity. What a, what a great way to speak to children. Life is full of opportunity. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's tough times. Yes, there's difficult days. But life is full of opportunity. And what we want for our kids, what we want for our community, what we want for our nation, we want for the world, it's let's make the most of this thing. Let's live in the best world. Let's have the best marriage. Let's build the best church. Let's make Ireland the best country. And everything that we do, let's make the most and make this thing better because it's all we have. And what we have is better than what we, don't, what we don't have. And what's so interesting is that in the original Greek language in which this letter was written, the phrase literally means to redeem or ransom back time. It's this idea that when you want to redeem, so you go to a shop, you say, hey, can I put a deposit on this sweater or this jumper or this top? And they go, yeah. And you put down 10 euro and you go away and you come back and you go, how much is outstanding? 100 euro. When you pay a full amount on that item, you redeem it. It's yours. You have paid the price. Or in a ransom situation, someone's been held against their will and you come along, you pay the ransom. What the scripture is saying is that we should live in, in such a way that we're paying a price now before the time is ransomed. That we're paying the price now, that we're, we're redeeming it before it needs redemption. We're seeing the opportunity. We're seeing the possibility. And rather than asking the wrong question, which leads to the flip question. We're asking ourselves the maturity question. What's the wise thing to do right now? I mean, what's the price required? Me? It may mean wait. It may mean hold on. It may mean not now. It may mean that I temporarily have to experience inconvenience. So in the long run, I experience the full measure of this opportunity. Again, so countercultural to, our, to our, our I want and I want it now world. But sometimes wisdom says stop. 
Sometimes wisdom says, not now. Sometimes wisdom says, stay, wait. The point is, when time is gone, we can't ransom it back, can we? I mean, how many of us, let's be honest, how many of us in the room online, how many of us would love to go back and be able to redeem or ransom a time where we've said something, did something, should have said something, should have done something that we didn't do and led to our greatest, how good would it be to time travel and undo our wrongs? Well, the point is we can't. But we can live in such a way forward that we look at the opportunity in front of us and we live as if we're redeeming it ahead of time. What does that look like? It looks like investing our time wisely. Make the most of every opportunity. You don't waste time, you spend time. Think about time as a commodity. Think about time as a resource. Think about time like you would money. You can just spend it and it just happens and it goes nowhere. And you always are looking for more, but it's never there. Or you can invest it intentionally. Invest it wisely. Invest in people. Invest in your dream. Invest in a business. Invest in your education. Don't just sit in class and daydream. Pay attention. Take notes. The teacher isn't there for their benefit. They're there for your benefit. And when you're finished college, they'll be living their life, but you'll be thinking, why did I pay attention in class? Invest your time wisely. Because your decisions are determining the future of your life. And the reason why the Apostle Paul is because the days are evil. You think, oh, what does that mean, the days are evil? Let's be honest. When was the last time you saw an ad on a telly or heard an ad on the radio or saw an ad pop up on Instagram saying, be careful with your life. Be considerate of other people who disagree with you. And uh, there's value in being self-controlled. No, 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 Don't care what other people think or do. Care about yourself. Consider it. If they don't agree with you, they're wrong. They're probably racist or they're probably politically crazy or, you know, some kind of, you know, alt-right, alt-left, whatever. Label them so you can, you can put them in a box and move on with your life. And self-control, are you kidding me? If you see it and you want it, you have every right in the world to go and get it. And we live in a world that's so perfect, right? People are so happy, right? You walk out there, everyone's so happy. Marriages flourishing. Communities are great. There's no poverty. There's no injustice. There's no inequality, right? Wrong. Because this message is destroying our world. Because it's making the world a place where individuals live at the expense of each other. Versus the idea that even if you're not a Christ follower, even if you have a different view of life and faith, we are human beings. We share this planet together. We're, part, we're called to make this world a better place, not a worse place for our kids. And right now, we, we live in a time with so much tension and all that's happening in the world. Look, look what's happening in the Ukraine. To pray for those people and pray for wisdom for those involved. But it seems like every time you see an ad, an advertisement, something online, something on the radio, it's always about us and you and you deserve and you are and you should and buy it now and buy it at this price today for $9.99. Special one-time only offer just for you. And we go, oh, come on, not that stupid. But really, one-time only, oh, wow. Maybe I should buy that thing that I don't need again. Bottom line is, guys, and again, I'm not saying this is you. This is all of us, yeah? We need help. 
We need help, and we need help now. And what we need is when it comes to all these decision-making opportunities, we need a filter. Just like you filter dirty water before you drink it. We need a filter. We need a wisdom filter. We need to be able to push our, our challenges, our situations through a filter to try to figure out what, what's wisdom right now? What is the wise thing to do? And to do that, we must look at the past, the present, and the future. Very quick. And I'm going to put this together in a very large, complex sentence. So please uh, stay with me. So it goes like this. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. Watch again. In light of, as a result of, because of, knowing full well, reflecting upon, taking into action, taking into account, you know, my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? I'm just asking, you know, in general, what's the wise? No, no, in terms of what I've learned, in terms of what I'm going through, and in terms of where I want to be one day, the question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? Let's have a past experience for a second. Number one, past experience. We all have past experience. You've heard this saying that those who can't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Right? Those who can't remember the past are doomed to repeat. Let's put it in the context of today's message. Those who don't pay attention to what got them into trouble yesterday are likely to end up in the same trouble tomorrow. And the sad thing is, for some of us, our life is a cycle of repetition where we keep falling and saying, I'm never going to that again. And we fall, I'm never going to again. That's the last time. And it just keeps happening. And And we think, is it me? Am I the problem? Maybe I'm the problem. You're not the problem. It's the question you're asking. And the question should be, in light of what you learned last time, how do you do something different this time? Because here's the truth. We all have past blind spots. And they're called blind spots because we're not aware of them. We're blind to them. See, our past, the way we were raised and what happened to us, what didn't happen to us, sets us up. It gives us a propensity towards addiction and hurt and abuse and whatever bad habits that we grew up in, we have in our lives. And these are blind spots that we're unaware of. And if we don't deal with these things, if we can't shine a light on these things, we're going to keep ending up in the same place. Wisdom helps because wisdom knows how to respond at any given moment in light of our past experience. Normally, I do this right now. But wisdom says do something different. My father always said this. My mother always said that. But something tells me now that I should react in a different way. See, this is where we have to grow up as people and take responsibility for our lives. Yeah, do you know what? Your father failed you. Welcome to the club. Your mother didn't love you. Welcome to reality. Life sucks. It does for a lot of people. And we all have our individual stories and we can spend time sharing those. But the bottom line is at some point, we have to take responsibility for our lives. Because hanging on the balance of our decisions are maybe one day our children who want to talk about their father and their mother. And we want to give them, not a perfect story, because none of us are perfect, but a better story. Do that, we've got to grow up. As the wise Irish proverb says, you've got to do your own growing, no matter how tall your grandfather was. You've got to do your own growing. You've got to take responsibility. The past, it, it, it leaves an indelible mark, but it can teach us some things if we're willing to. 
to listen and learn. Number two, current circumstances. Look, life is seasonal. Life moves, life shifts. Life has good times, bad times. Life, 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 life like our Irish weather, it's seasonal. But wisdom knows the season. Wisdom knows how to make the right response, the right choice in the right moment because of the season. For example, wisdom says, did you just get out of a relationship? Then why are you back in one? Are you just recently divorced? Why would, you, why, why would you just go from one dysfunctional thing to another without processing how you got there? I'm not saying you're done and can't be redeemed. I'm saying, let's not keep going to the same crazy cycle. Didn't you just get out of debt? Weren't you just celebrating the other week that you finally paid off all your loans and are debt-free and now you just bought that car, bought the house, bought that thing, bought the jet ski? For Ireland, seriously? Nothing wrong with jet skis. Didn't you just get, didn't you just get back to church? Weren't you celebrating the fact that you're loving God and in a group and serving and how great things are, but now you're going that, to that place with those, those people to do that thing? I mean, it seems like you're going back into the same cycle. It's not forever. It's just the current circumstance. Maybe what you need to do is rest up and heal and, and learn some lessons about why that relation didn't work. Maybe what you need is some advice, some margin, some space between what you want to buy and buying it. Because maybe, this might blow your mind, you don't really need it. It's okay to want it. It's okay to want a jet ski. But if it means that you can't feed your kids, that's not wise. Or maybe it's time to realize that the best thing you can do with your life is give everything to God. Go for broke. Just root yourself in Him. He is Lord. Just trust Him with everything and see what happens. See, sometimes we get caught because when, when, we, when we ask the wise question, we hear never or not ever. But actually, what seems like it's not ever is simply not now. It's not, it's not that you can't ever be back in a relationship. It's not that you can't ever own a jet ski. It's not that you can't ever. It's just, it's just not wise now. So many times with my kids, they say, can I have or can we go or can we do? And I go, no. And they go, is that like a not ever? No, it's just a not now. Because again, the gift of, of being older and more experienced is I have a much broader perspective. It's not that it's, not that it's a no forever. It's just not now. Wisdom knows the difference. Wisdom knows the difference between and not ever, and not now. Third and finally, future, future hopes and dreams. Again, all of us have a mental picture of a preferred future. All of us. Even the least optimistic person online, we all have a, prefer, a preferred picture of where we want to be. But here's the truth we all have in common. Life is hard on dreams. Isn't it? It's an uphill struggle. Like when it comes to dreams, like our life is constantly lived in a headwind. Like it's, it's just, life just seems to have this ability to grab hold of, tear down, tear apart, and destroy human dreams. And that's true, for, again, for all of us. That doesn't mean the dream isn't worth dreaming. It doesn't mean the dream is impossible. It doesn't mean it's not a good dream. It just means it's harder and longer than you realized. And that should encourage you if you're a dreamer. And you should be a dreamer because God made us to dream. One time in history, God dreamed about you. And here you are. What a great thought. Now, that's true. And if I was doing a series on dreaming, I'd go more into that. But, the, but the, the focus of my application of today is that sometimes our dream didn't work, not because life is hard, because we made stupid choices. Right? 
Because here's, here's the challenge in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If we're not careful with our choices, then we may contribute to the demise of our dreams. If we keep making foolish choices in a cyclical manner that are taking us that way, and our dream is that way, and all the while we're hurting people and harming ourselves, chances are our dream won't happen. But if we say, I'm fed up living a story. I want to live a different story. I want to make some wise choices. Not only will we help ourselves and help others, but more than likely, the dream can and will come true. The challenge is, is that we've got to be careful not to rob ourselves of our future. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament about, about these two brothers, uh, Esau and, uh, and Jacob. And Esau was the older brother. And in that culture, that meant he had the right to inherit all his father's wealth. But one day Esau was hungry. Typical lad. Comes in and there's his brother making some soup. And so doing the brother thing, they're arguing because Esau wants some soup. And Jacob's like, get get your own. He's like, "What what will it take to get some soup? And Jacob says, your birthright. Your position in the family. All your inheritance. And Esau kind of goes, Hmm, soup, momentary, hunger, quench that hunger, uh, or the rest of my life. And Esau famously and foolishly chooses the soup. And later on, even though he's crying and begging his father, he lost everything in a moment. He robbed himself of his own future. Because in a moment of foolishness, what, 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 was, not a, what was a not now became a not ever. We've got to be careful that we don't become Esau in our own life story. You go, well, how do, how do I know? How do I not become an Esau? Wisdom. Wisdom brings clarity. Wisdom brings clarity financially. Wisdom brings clarity professionally. Wisdom brings car- clarity relationally. And wisdom brings clarity spiritually. The greatest regret, our greatest regret, my greatest, our greatest regret was always preceded by a series of unwise decisions. And how we get off this train, how we break that cycle, how we start moving in a different direction is we ask ourselves the maturity question. The maturity question is, again, one more time, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for you to do? What is the wise thing for us to do financially, professionally, relationally, and spiritually? And when you're tempted to excuse yourself away and go, ah, oh, well, this is different, you say things like, but I'm not hurting anyone. I can handle it. There's no law against it. God will forgive me. Understand that your excuses are paving the way to your future regrets. My friends, as we get ready for the last question next week, I want to say this all, all of my heart, honestly. I love you and I'm for you and I prepare this talk I only want the best for you even those of you who don't know I only want the best for you but it is time for us to put our excuses away it is time for us to break the cycle of foolishness in our lives and get free and take a step towards God and a step towards the future that he has in mind a good future a future full of adventure and hope and opportunity a future that means that we can grow and become better and that we can grow the world we live in and make it a better place. But if we're going to do that, we have to grow up and take responsibility spiritually, emotionally, physically. And we have to ask ourselves the question all the time, in every place, with everyone, every way, what is the wise 
thing to do. Now, I don't know what that means for you right now, but the band are going to come in a second and lead us in a song. And the song speaks of God breathing His Spirit into us and giving us help and giving us hope, but also giving us wisdom. I don't know if it's a job situation, moving somewhere, a relationship thing, a financial thing, a spiritual thing. I can't tell you what to do. All I can say is God's will for you, God's will for me, is that we will become wise. And in light of your past experience, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do?